Hey, what's up, people? Welcome to the Sonic Cloth. Uh, welcome back to some of you. Actually, most of you. I'm starting to notice in uh, the analytics some pretty regular listenership developing. So that's a good feeling. That's definitely a little stroke of the old ego. I mean, let's just be honest. That's the number one reason why I even trudge out an episode every six or seven weeks. But, you know, either way, thanks for listening, whether you've been with me for the last 25 episodes or if you just jumped on on the last one. All right. I'm excited for this one. Before we get into it, I'm going to do something I never do and I actually hate doing. But fuck it, I feel the urge to kind of blow some smoke up my ass today. So I am pretty confident, and I won't say 100%, but getting up there, I'm pretty confident that this is the only podcast out there that is going to go from covering the depths of extreme black death and doom metal in one episode to covering African funk in the next. And that's it. That's, that's all my flex is. It might not even be a flex to you. Uh, in which case, I'll, I'll turn it around on you and ask why you hit the play button on this one. And if you think those two rabbit holes of music don't have any connective tissue, well, then uh, you're going to be mistaken. As you would have it, America's uh, precious rock and roll came from the blues. I know you know this already. And sure, the blues was a, a melting pot of kind of musical ideas. But the main ingredient in the earliest form of American blues was different types of regional West African musical expressions. Now, not that I'm any kind of reliable source on musical history, but this lineage is super well documented and out there. So, um, you know, I'd encourage you to study up on it if that's your thing, if you're curious, if you want a comprehensive look at the blues and the culture that it produced. Um, with sort of a sociological slant, I would recommend reading the book Blues People. Um, this was written by Leroy Jones, also known as uh, Amiri Baraka. I don't think Amiri had changed his name yet when this book was published, uh, which I'm pretty sure was like the early 60s, I'm going to say. So uh, it'll probably be under the name Leroy Jones if you're looking for it. But it is an excellent tracing of, you know, basically like musical lineage that starts at the time of chattel slavery and looks you know, both backwards and forwards to connect a lot of different dots. And this is basically the story of popular music in America, like through and through. Um, although Amiri refers to these ideas in the book um, as kind of like theories that he's putting out, like that that's kind of how he just describes them as theories. It's still super readable. It's not academic. And um, he's just got a great voice, uh, great writing, and is just an awesome storyteller. So to be perfectly honest, the music we're getting into today, African music, this has been a big blind spot for me for, for way too long. I've basically lately been on this reissue comp game um, only for a few years since getting into like Ethiopian jazz. I think that was kind of like my my entry point into like the greater continent of Africa, getting, getting deep with things anyway. And ultimately, I really branched out to other styles of regional African music. And I have fallen in love with so much of what I've heard. I mean, it's really rare to kind of go down a musical rabbit hole that's as big as this and just be like continuously impressed by everything you hear. Like they're not all keepers, but like, the, the vast majority are and, and I think that for me I'm looking mostly at like anywhere from like the 60s through the 80s kind of on the funky style of things so I, I've got my own little niche that I'm interested in too but def certainly within that niche for me there there are no clunkers or very few or even if the clunkers are clunkers uh, they pale in comparison to clunkers uh, in other parts of the world and as far as African music's perception in the West I think that is 
kind of largely shaped by the histories of, you know, colonization, transatlantic slave trade, of course. But another part of the reason this incredibly rich continent um, is slept on by even those communities who kind of come together around music, like the music nerd community, is because Africa's footnotes have long been forgotten in the wake of like all this devastation among the, those communities of people and kind of like the sort of thwarting of like that self-determination that they had. And when you go and you fuck up and like upend people's lives, you disrupt the entire cultural fabric. So I think that recognition is important in understanding why the African continent has been just so underrepresented and so underrecognized for its musical achievements. Because even the most, you know, surface level digging around, like I said, it's going to yield some of the most like outstanding recordings you will ever hear. And honestly, a lot of it doesn't even require much of like a tuning of your ear, I think, because traces of this music have infected like every disparate thing that you've ever listened to uh, in one way or the other. All right, I think that's my soapbox. I'm kind of just putting that forward just so I can always reckon with my own sort of unconscious tendencies of like approval seeking that is like Western and European centric. It's always something that to kind of really keep in check. So let's get into the meat of this. The next two episodes, I'm going to be splitting kind of the the northern and central African continent in half here. So today I'll be covering Western African music, and then we're going to be taking on East African music on the next one. Maybe one day we'll get to like the southern region of South African music, not the country, but the, you know, the region. But I really think I need to school myself a bit more on that one before it can happen. Um, a lot of my tastes have kind of, for whatever reason, fallen into kind of like central and northern um, hemisphere of Africa. So what we're focusing on today are some of my favorites from a variety of modern reissue labels that are really giving a lot of shine to African releases that have you know, been a bit lost to time, I would say. Um, a lot of the stuff is from the 70s and 80s, but I threw a couple of like modern recordings in the mix too. The, the big labels here are Soundway, Analog Africa, Awesome Tapes of Africa, and Sahel Sounds. And these are some of the most, in my opinion, like high quality, uh, high integrity and reputable labels in the world of global music reissues. And honestly, like, so not even, I shouldn't even preface it with my opinion. This is largely the consensus of people who um, care deeply for this music and, and, and most importantly, people who are at the uh, foreground of where this music originated, like including the artists, the communities that they came from, uh, recording studio, personnel, like that, that type of crowd. And much of the focus of all of those labels that I just mentioned, you know, a lot of those labels focus on the African continent predominantly, but there are some exceptions. And they, they all do just a really wonderful job of presenting the music, uh, providing stories and context and um, compensating the artists and their estates. And just in, in general, not having a shitty colonizing approach to to unlocking these really, really like amazing treasure troves of music. And my approach on these two episodes is, is just to pick out like a really fire track to kind of pique your interest. Hopefully you check out the album, whether it's, you know, a various artist compilation or a collection um, of tracks from a single artist. And if Western African music isn't really on your radar, then uh, hopefully this just opens up that world to you where you can just go off and explore it on your own. Of course, you can always email me at thesoniccloth at gmail.com. could become the reply guy at the Sonic Cloth Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, I think that's probably going to do it for me on this one. I am super stoked for this episode. I say that every time. I mean it every time. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I've been wanting to do this one for a long time, but I just kind of kept changing up the tracks over and over, and it didn't really feel right until recently. As you can tell, like I really labor over which tracks to feature on these things. I th would say that's actually the bulk of the work that goes into these episodes, if I'm just totaling up the total labor hours. Funny to call that labor, but whatever, you get it. And as for the material, I will say this does lean more on the funky side of things. Um, typically trying to strike a balance between, you know, traditional African and sort of funkier sounds, maybe coming a little bit from the West, but of course not originated from the West. So a lot of what you're going to hear is like a fusion of styles. You know, the music of West Africa, as you can imagine, is, is vast, but I would say that the more contemporary stuff that we're getting into here has kind of been distinctly influenced by Western music, which, you know, if you think about it, is basically the forced diaspora of Western African people via the slave trade. So blues music, jazz, gospel, picture them all boomeranging back to Western African regional styles. And and kind of this whole this whole chemistry, I guess, has been described as, you know, the diaspora communicating back musically with the homeland and then vice versa. And a similar sort of dialogue happens between the Caribbean and West Africa too. And that comes out in some of these sounds as well. So I am per usual intentionally avoiding a lot of the well-known West African stuff. So you're not gonna find any like uh, Ali Farcature here. I'm not even gonna put any Fela Kuti here, William Anyabor. Um, or Baba Mall, but you know, all of those artists are worth your time and attention and they're, they're really really great starting places And honestly like with those artists I, I say they're great starting places because I, I don't think it's humanly possible to hear a fellow Kuti or a William Anyabor record and like not fall in love completely I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll take that a step further and probably like alienate some listeners here But I think you're a fucking sociopath if you can't find something to love from this part of the world So that's probably a good place to wrap it Let's get into this thing, West African music. Hey. All right, first up, we have a group called The Funkies. The track is called Akula Owu Onyera. The compilation this is taken from is called Dancing Time, the best of Eastern Nigeria's Afro rock exponents, 1973 to 1977. This came out in 2018 on the Soundway label. And as the comp suggests, this is funk based out of Nigeria. So what we have here is broadly referred to as Afro rock, which is basically rock music with uh, West African influence, um, which is a bit redundant because honestly, all of this can be traced back to West Africa. But, you know, we don't need to debate that here. This particular group, the Funkies, were one of the shining stars of the Nigerian Afro rock scene, um, having been given a lot of shine on various comps, uh, collecting kind of like the bustling Nigerian scene in the 70s. Definitely a scene that gets a lot of attention if we're talking just broadly about West African uh, funky music. And these guys were a Lagos band, which really was the epicenter for the Afro rock. Um, and funk scene, not just in Nigeria, but like I'm saying, just all across Western Africa. This was just sort of a mecca for it. And the band formed after the Biafran Civil War to help kind of raise spirits in the East. They were mostly a bunch of guys like fresh out of high school and early college years um, that had a lot of revolutionary spirit, but also sought to make like, you know, very distinctly post-war music to try and usher in a new era. Reminds me a lot of like Krautrock, if you're familiar with like the history there. 
So the band uh, eventually moved to London after gaining a reputation for uh, what I can imagine is just like unrivaled funkiness and then put out a couple of albums and a bunch of 45s. And this Soundway comp, um, which collects a bunch of early Funkies 45s, this is, the I think, the one that truly launched renewed interest in the band. But there's a lot of other comps that pull and mine from this uh, region. Some of those, some of my favorite ones are Nigeria 70, Funky Lagos, um, Doing It in Lagos, that's another great one. The Nigeria Rock Special is a great one, too, that kind of focuses more on, like, psych rock coming out of the scene. Uh, as well as another comp, which I'm going to keep in my uh, pocket for now because we're going to be revisiting it a little bit later. So this particular track is going to sound familiar to anyone who is into Global Groove, I think, let alone someone who's interested in West African music. Um, if you have like a lot of DJ friends, you probably might know this one too. This is just an absolute classic of Afro rock and the Lagos scene. I love this song so much. That organ riff and the opening, Akula! <laughs> that shit is just legendary. Uh, and the groove that carries the entire song is just so tight. It's so rhythmically satisfying. And I think the track is mixed so beautifully. I mean, the production is really, really clear and it's bouncy. It's got that really, really bright bass too, which we're going to hear all over this uh, episode. And the relentless drums and sort of added percussion really just keeps the song like moving forward. And the guitar, bass, and the organ lines, like they really take a different path on this like more minor scale groove you have these like james brown like breaks that are just fucking killer and honestly you should just listen to the funkies because this is more so a call to explore the entire nigerian afro rock scene from the 70s like via those comps that i mentioned before i think this comp is a great place to start if you just want to start with one group but um the multi-artist compilations are also amazing there's going to be a funkies track on pretty much all of them but yeah this track is the is the fucking best and i think this track is also the test if you're in then that's it the rabbit hole is just going to open up and swallow you whole Akula.
All right, next up we have Orchestra Super Mama Jumbo. The track is called Julia. This is off of the Super Mama Jumbo comp from 2003. This is on the Kobiana Records label, and the country of origin is Guinea-Bissau. So Orchestra Super Mama Jumbo, also sometimes just called Super Mama Jumbo, uh, met at a Boy Scout camp in the jungles of Guinea-Bissau in the 1960s. And Guinea-Bissau is located on the western coastline and was part of the Mali Empire up until those uh, Portuguese bastards rolled through in the 1500s to you know, pillage the country along with Angola and Mozambique in the south. And independence was you know, eventually achieved in 1974. And this was the time when the group Super Mama Jumbo was active playing live at like different political rallies. And the name Mama Jumbo actually refers to the spirit revolutionaries that sought refuge and protection during uh, Guinea-Bissau's War of Independence. So the group actually traveled around internationally a good amount, um, but they spent a lot of time in both Cuba and Portugal to perform live and also record because a proper recording studio was nowhere to be found um, in their home country. And this group really was and is still considered the musical expression of freedom for Guinea-Bissau. And what little recorded music that has been compiled and released through the two studio albums is really some of the most powerful music made by one of the most renowned Western African orchestras. And you can't really go wrong with any of the Super Mama Jumbo stuff, but this track, Julia, it really stands out from a lot of the other tracks on this playlist, I would say, um, and even within their, their catalog. And I'd argue occupies like a really unique sonic palette in the regional's musical exploration. I just love the dreamy lead guitar lines. Uh, they're definitely laced with some kind of like very subtle, very tasteful effects. It's got just such a tranquil, deep, uh, sort of hypnotic composition with these really incredible like call and responses that are happening between the band leader's vocals and these really controlled guitar phrasings. Super expressive, super beautiful. This is just such a haunting track and it cuts into like the popular perception of African music as like this really tribal, like upbeat, like funky thing. Like, no, this, this Super Mama Jumbo track is doing something entirely different. Carlota, tu farsi da Giulia. 
Okay, here we have Awa Pulo. I hope it's Pulo. It's either Pulo or Paolo, so I'm just going to stick with Pulo. Um, really hope I didn't choose incorrectly. Also, it could be neither of those. It could be way the fuck off. So <laughs> keep that in mind too. But anyway, the track here is called Pulo Warali. And this is off the album Pulo Warali from 2017. The label here is Awesome Tapes of Africa, which we will hear from later on. And the country is Mali. So we are now hitting one of the absolute best labels in the whole game, Awesome Tapes of Africa. This is a project that began in 2006, and it really projects like a commitment to anti-colonial practices in the music business. They really reject the idea of owning any music at all. The label's practices are like too many to name here um, after kind of going through their, their website um, and some other literature about them. But like some big stuff here that I think stands out is like, you know, they draw up contracts in the artist's local language. Uh, they do stuff like they license music directly from the artists or their families. They engage in a 50-50 profit split with the artist. Uh, the label takes on like visa fees for any artists who are uh, planning on going on tour. And I think maybe most importantly, they really put the artist's stories front and center in like all of the promo. So, you know, Awesome Taste for Africa, like they just like seek to avoid all of the pitfalls of bringing black music to largely white audiences, which of course has been an exploitative um, and 
you know, has had a really like predatory type history throughout the continent and beyond. So yeah, I just think you got to give it up to the label for this kind of approach. I mean, this is obviously like, you know, kind of the minimum doing of doing things the right fair and square way, but it's still worth recognizing, I think. Um, and hopefully pr uh, serves as an example for future labels and a lot of labels really put their artists first too um, but you know how many take like an accountable and decolonized kind of approach to running their label certainly not always the best thing for like you know any kind of bottom line that we're used to in a, in a you know strictly capitalist sort of context of course but anyhow, the real star here is the artist, of course. This is Awa Pulo, who is a singer in the style of Malian Pool music, or maybe it's Pool, not sure. And and this artist hails from the southwestern region of Mali. And the Pool people um, are a traditionally pastoral people um, who have been established throughout West Africa. And unlike the you know the two cuts that we've heard already, this is a modern recording. I mean, this is from 2017, and the music on this album is generally described as like you know, folk pop kind of expression of uh, pure music, which features a Ngoni, which is a traditional West African lute. There's also hand percussion and flute in here. You have the bright voice of Awa Pulo and her very rich vocal harmonies. And I just love this record because all over it, it's got these incredible micro rhythms um, with these really like lightning fast licks that are just so harmonious and sort of like mathy. I know that's not like the right term for it, but it's just to say that the band is just so virtuosic. And and this is definitely coming from a place that is steeped in, you know, preservation and incorporating these very, very trance-like folk sounds. And compared to some of the funkier stuff that I've kind of selected for this episode for the most part. And, you know, while I only have like a sh very shallow idea of what is being expressed here, I get a really meditative, um, relaxed feeling when I listen to this record, this track in particular. And then you also get this picture of a very rural and pastoral environment that this music was created in. And I think that that all really comes into focus as you move through this music. But yeah, I love this track. I think it's just so fascinating to listen to. And uh, yeah, I think, you're, I think this one is where we take a little bit of a turn again. Why 
Okay, on this one, the artist is Kay Frimpong. The track is called Oboa Gayewa. The album is called Kay Frimpong, backed by Visa V. This is from 2020. This is a reissue. The label here is Hot Casa Records, and the country of origin is Ghana. And we have finally hit our high life moment in the playlist. So high life might be the most visible and well-known style of West African music. You know, thanks in large part to the legacy of Nigerian legend Fela Kuti, who coined the term Afrobeat and pioneered that style of music. But Afrobeat combined a few different musical ideas. I mean, you have funk in there, you have jazz, and you have traditional Nigerian songs. And actually, the other name for Afrobeat was Igbo High Life, because the Igbo people of Nigeria really ran with high life in the 1960s. But Afrobeat like absolutely incorporated the high life sound and that originated in Ghana. So high life is a genre that has really just evolved over time and sprawled into a lot of different subgenres. But very broadly speaking, it's a mix of African meters, Afro-Cuban motifs and American jazz uh, that has this really percussive quality and rhythm of various Ghanan traditional styles. So there's like a ton <laughs> A ton of material to choose from when we're talking Ghana and high life. But there's something about K from Pong's vis-a-vis band, um, and they're kind of fuzzier brand of funk that really speaks to me. So the, the artist's full name is Alhaji Kwabena from Pong. And this guy is a legend of the Ghana 70s scene. I mean, he was a singer. He was a guitarist. He led two incredible groups here. But the Visa V band is really the one that hits a lot harder for me compared to his second band, um, the Cubano Fiestas. And I love this track. It's just this very breezy powerhouse of really funky, kind of minor key high life. You've got these kind of like repetitive strummed guitars that are very typical of Afrobeat and high life. But a lot of them break out into these very, very jazzy solos on the chorus. You have these bright horns, of course, that form a lot of like the lead melodies in the track. Um, and those also break into solos, too. You have these synths and keys with just a shit ton of like reverb and wah, and those also take solos. So in case you didn't realize, like every motherfucker is taking a solo on an Afrobeat and High Life record, um, especially ones that are epic like this. I mean, a lot of it's not uncommon for Afrobeat or even High Life tracks to go into the 12, 20, 30 minute length time. Uh, Fela Kuti has albums where there's just two songs and it's like a full hour of music. But you also get Frampong's great tenor voice. I mean, the dude was just a fantastic band leader, great commanding singer. Um, and you get these really, really fire rhythms on the drums. 
um, really, really great auxiliary kind of percussion as well. And the bass, of course, is amazing. And the beat just like goes on, but then it breaks and then it kind of just leads you all the way throughout. And the bass and drums are just the backbone of like all of this type of stuff. And it's got to be just lockstep the whole time or the whole thing comes crashing down. So these are just uh, such a virtuosic, but also just the uh, the energy levels of these players. is just just crazy but yeah this is just a classic of early high life music and i you know it's not really a particularly pop leaning track either it's kind of got this like ominous and kind of almost like swampy kind of vibe I, I read somewhere someone describing this as kind of swampy sounding funk and I, I i could see that for sure but anyway yeah that's it for me on this one this just hits all of the marks for me and it is just the groove that you never want to end Don't you move your 
We are right about the halfway mark at this point. This next one is Jess Sabi and Peter Wan. The track is called Clipo Clipo. The album is called Our Garden Needs Its Flowers. This is a 2018 reissue of an older album. The label here is Awesome Tapes of Africa. And the country is the Ivory Coast. So this is another Awesome Tapes of Africa release. Can't get enough. And like I said, this is a re-release of the 1985 album from Jess and Peter. And this duo was pretty popular. I mean, I would say kind of a household name from what I, everything I had read up on them. Um, and, and I would say kind of concentrated all along the West African coast, at least in their heyday. And this album is a true fusion from this part of the world because it blends these traditional ceremonial vocal harmonies of the Ivory Coast with Western folk and you know, even American country stylings. And and the group has referred to themselves actually as country music made in the Ivory Coast. So after releasing this album, uh, they really went on to play like a lot of large stadiums across the region. And I think when you hear this song, you can understand like how this type of music really would translate to large swaths of people. And actually a, a crazy brag about uh, Jess and Pete is uh, that their track African Chant was played at the Victory Party um, upon Nelson Mandela being released from prison. So I don't know. It's funny. I, I could have sworn this was like South African music the first time I heard it, kind of like listening to it before I ended up reading about it. So this is also one of those songs that I think that you hear for the first time, but sounds like something you have heard before. Or just kind of something that got lost to time or burrowed away in your mind. And then you're so happy that you've like rediscovered it. And I think that sort of trick is just a testament to a song that is so joyful, uh, so timeless, so immediately lovable. I mean, the song Clipo Clipo just has this chorus that will ring out in your mind forever. Like these incredible melodic surprises throughout the song and the kind of like harmonizing that gives you goosebumps. Like for real, this is a perfect pop song. And I think it's a shoe-in to like lure you into the rest of the gems of the Ivory Coast region.
Next up is the artist Itran de la Air. The track is called Agrim Agadez. The album is called Number One. It's from 2018. The label is Sahil Sounds and the country is Niger. And this one was put on to me by the homie Clay, who if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll remember Clay as being a guest on the two-part uh, hard rock proto-metal riff kind of episodes that we did. So Clay and I do a musical exchange where we basically take turns sending each other an album for both of us to listen to. And we've been doing this for like probably close to three years now. And this was one of his picks. And this has really uh, kind of stuck with me over the past couple of years. I, I listen to this a lot. And I think this is even one of the best albums that's ever been uh, done in our exchange of uh I don't know how many albums, but but it's a lot. Sometimes we'll go to two or three albums in a single week. So uh, this group, Etran de la Air, they hail from Agadez, which is a desert city in central Niger. They play a style of music that emerges from all over the Saharan um, that's been dubbed, you know, desert blues. And I think it's like your your NPRs and your Rolling Stones of the world and like their world music departments that have kind of like uh, given it this name. And, and this style of music, I think, has really taken off on the global scene. I mean, there are several groups who regularly play all over the world for audiences. 
who this music was probably never intended for. And probably the primary label that has celebrated and introduced this style of music to the larger world is this label, Saho Sounds. It's a really, really wonderful um, uh, record label. And it really broke the careers of Saharan groups like Amdou Mokhtar, Le Filet de Illegidad, um, and Amanar as well. But I think it's their, their compilations of Saharan guitar music that was kind of like recorded on knockoff cell phones, which really earned the label like a lot of praise and a lot of attention for that type of like uh, commitment to do documenting very, very insular, you know, and remote music scenes. So, you know, I guess my point here is that there is a shitload to choose from in this particular strand of West African music. And while I love a lot of this type of stuff, I think this group, Itran de la Air, is the one that really hits the most for me. And uh, the group are are interesting. They're, they're part of this wedding circuit in Agadez, which is kind of its own ecosystem that, you know, provides wages to performing bands. But a lot of who gets selected to perform you know, at a particular wedding, you know, comes down to things like personal and political connections, um, you know, knowing somebody high up on the ladder, pretty much. And in the the bio for this on Sahel Sound's website, you know, Etran de la Air is described as very much not one of those in bands. Instead, they tend to be the band um, that weddings select when they can't afford <laughs> the uh, hot shit bands at the top of the rung. And so this album, number one, is super interesting because it is their debut record. It was recorded live outside of the family's home, like without any kind of announcement, I don't think. So when you're listening to this, you'll hear, you know, people talking and people clapping and whistling and just kind of like the whole neighborhood. Probably, I imagine, just like kind of hearing amplified music, like, (laughs) you know, coming from somewhere and then stepping foot outside and seeing that the group is playing and maybe even just having an impromptu like uh, party and celebration um, to this music. And this track will give you a really, really good intro to this type of music. I mean, that shuffling drum pattern is, is so iconic. The kind of scuzzy guitars, the group vocals, you have these extended like jamming passages. And Itran incorporate a third guitar into what I think is usually like a two guitar lineup. So you have this constant soloing effect that's happening and you get that hum of the amps and the ringiness kind of like bleeding into the entire recording. But I just love the melodies on this too. Like the interweaving guitar lines are super virtuosic, but you know, nothing you have to really think terribly hard about. They're just like immediately brilliant and melodically satisfying. And this track just has a, so much joy in it. It's got a lot of celebration in it too. And I can't help but think it's kind of like pure therapy to our very detached and non communal Western lives.
Okay, next up is Sir Victor Uefo and his Titty Bitties. <laughs> um, the track... <laughs> such a good name the track is called uh sock payday number two the album is ito funk explosion volume one this came out last year 2021 the label is analog africa and the country of origin is nigeria so we are back to nigeria to shout out this phenomenal comp that came out on what might be my favorite of the african reissue labels out there analog africa you'd be hard pressed i think to find a more deep diving gateway into african music than this label i mean just go and like hop on over to their Bandcamp page and you can start anywhere and 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 i have total faith that you're going to be in good hands but if you want like a starting point um my de facto answer is always going to be this comp at least since i heard it ito funk explosion volume one which really documents the ito nigerian scene in the late 70s and 80s and the architect of the scene was uh, a gentleman named Sir Victor Uefo, um, the artist on this particular track, whose Jerome studio became kind of like the convergence point for the funkiest you know, musicians around. And from what I understand, the studio became you know a really a place of experimentation where musicians who are really rooted in Edo music, um, particularly like the traditional stuff, like came to take like uh, you know apply like recording technology that was available at the time. And, and just kind of like use that to apply some really original and kind of psychedelic effects to like this emerging brand of funk music. And this comp is just so endlessly energetic. It's so fun. The grooves are just out of control on like majority of these tracks. And the track that I picked off of this comp here, this is a strong contender for one of like the hardest funky grooves known to mankind. I mean, the grooves stay steady throughout the entire song. It's really repetitive, but I, I also find it to be very hypnotic. I think the bass is a star of the show here. I mean, the player is just all over the neck, and he's just providing a super like theatrical anchor for the groove. It's so fun to just like lock in and listen to that. And the track is just very, very elemental and skeletal. I mean, this is, like I said, like locked in, minimal funk that transports you to like a late night party in, in Benin. Um, and it's much rawer, in my opinion, than like some a lot of the Nigerian high life stuff. But it's got enough of that studio wizardry to kind of keep things like pretty tripped out. But yeah, I just I fucking love this compilation. It's probably the one since it came out, the one African reissue comp that I listened to the absolute most. I just can't ever get enough of it. And I always want to play it around people. That's the other thing. Like it really, really excites me to like put this on with other people just like you know kickback or something like that because it's just it's just the perfect just like hanging out chilling music and then inevitably there's always somebody who's just like whoa what is this I got the 
This one is the artist Pape Zengi. The track is called Mogogo. The album is called Kariyambo. This is from 2022. The label is Awesome Tapes from Africa and the country is Gabon. So we are back with our final Awesome Tapes of Africa pick. This is Pape Nzengi, a Gabonese harpist and the foremost icon of Gabonese music. And this album, Kaditambo, was recorded in 1989. But I'll tell you, like, this sounds like it could be much older than that, while simultaneously sounding like something that just got cut in Mastered at a Recording Studio today. This is truly timeless music that doesn't belong in any particular uh, era at all. And, and technically, this is Bawiti heart music. Um, but it mixes in uh, modern stuff like synthesizers, electric bass, uh, this percussion that's like very dizzying. Uh, you'll hear it in the track. It's just crazy. Um, these call and response vocals um, and, and definitely like a modern production here for sure. Very, very clear, very bright. And I picked a track off of the album that has kind of a pronounced and heavier beat than some of the others on the album. But what I love about this track is how the musicians maintain this like polyrhythmic uh, tempo uh, and it's a fast one at that. I mean, these players are like really going for it here while throwing in these like flashes and these flourishes. It is like supremely virtuosic music, maybe the most virtuosic music on this entire uh, track list. You know, and on one hand, it's so dizzying. On the other hand, it's really fluid and clear and like non-meandering. And I think that that's just such a hard like juxtaposition to achieve when music is this busy and this like... Uh, I don't know technical i would say and and the heart playing is pretty even in the mix so you know you don't have to like lean in and listen for it but once you're kind of following um zengi's uh playing it'll just blow you back i mean it's just absolutely insane i'm assuming there's at least a couple of harp tracks that are happening here but shit like it could just be him putting on a show too either way this approach of performing like traditional music in a modern studio context it, it can really yield all kinds of results. And I think purists will also kind of have a tendency towards resisting that. But for those of us who are very, very much like non-purists and way outside of the culture, I think albums like Caddy Yambo really allow us to step into another world. This is a really, really special track. I love it. Oh, 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 
We have hit the final track. This is a legendary track from the artist orchestre Polyrhythmo de Cotonou. This is Acute Ma Melody. The album is called The Skeletal Essences of Afro Funk, 1969 to 1980. This comp came out in 2013. This is on the Analog Africa label, and the country of origin is Benin. So we've got another gem out of Analog Africa. This was actually the third volume of music to come out on Analog Africa for this particular group, Orchestre Polyrhythmo de Cotonou. And, and they really left behind a treasure trove, um, apparently hundreds of tracks um, that the, the label head got the, uh, the, the privilege of rummaging through and really just kind of taking in. So this group, they hail from uh, Cotonou, uh, Benin, and they were active uh, from the 60s uh, throughout the 80s, um, kind of before reforming in more recent times. So they're led by a gentleman named Melome Clement, and their music is described as blending high life, Afro-Cuban jazz, hard funk from the States, and, uh, quote, the percussive mysticism of traditional voodoo rituals, unquote. Um, and, and when you read up on this band, you get a lot of uh, claims of them being like Africa's funkiest band or having the funkiest rhythm section on the continent. And, and upon listening to their material, it becomes clear that this could very well be Africa's funkiest band. So I ended up choosing a groove here that I think is a little more understated than maybe what you might expect. But when you isolate the rhythm section, just kind of like in your mind, if you're able to do that, the depth of like the interlockedness is just mind boggling. I mean, these rhythms are so fucking tricky. And, and I certainly can't ramp my mind around um, their structures. And the bass playing is just like top tier God mode. I mean, it's just kind of going for these like very disharmonious phrases sometimes. It's just so creative. And this is seriously some of the most hypnotic and trance-inducing Afrobeat that I've ever come across. And the legend of this group like just becomes all the more cemented when you when you really dive deep into these 
comps in particular. I haven't never, I've actually not gone through every single comp that Analog Africa has done for this group, but uh, just kind of poked around. But this is the, for whatever reason, the comp that I just kind of like was first exposed to and have kind of kept on repeat ever since. All I can say is by the end of this track, you're just kind of left wondering why everyone you know isn't listening to like, you know, this group and this type of music all the time. And, and that's pretty much what I want to leave you all with as we kind of wind down this primer into, you know, mostly funky Western African music. I'm going to let this orchestra track play out, and I hope that you're already up on this music even before you came into it. But if you're not, um, and you've reached the end here, let me know how your journey down this rabbit hole goes. I mean, send me some of the cool stuff that you're finding. Um, make sure to support these labels and pick up these comps. Um, so many of these labels have really good ethics as it pertains to the uh, uh, you know origination source of the music. So you know, make sure you you know share the stuff out with people that you think would find it. Um, amazing and even people you don't think would find it great like try and share this out too I mean share this episode with them too if you want and especially like having you know a lot of friends or people in your life who are you know the common trope is people you know over here are stuck listening to the same kind of westernized shit as everyone else in this uh, you know <laughs> fucking cesspool of a country you know just uh, do, do your part to kind of try and expand the palette you know without being pushy just kind of like you know play it throw it on when people are over that's what i think is like the, the best way to kind of hit people with this kind of music and to just wait for someone to kind of ask about it and that's that's a place of genuine interest and intrigue that can really change um someone's uh tastes and, and trajectory and attitudes when it comes to music but yeah that's gonna do it for me um as always if you can hit me the rating and review this is ukute ma melody by orchestra polyrhythmo de cotonou We'll see you back here next time with the counterpart to this episode where we see what gems East Africa has to offer.
te souviendras de nos caresses, oui tu te souviendras de nos images. Si un jour je devrais partir, il te restera cette mélodie. Oui tu te souviendras de nos caresses, oui tu te souviendras de nos images. Si un jour je devrais partir, il te restera de nos caresses, oui tu te souviendras de nos ivresses, si un jour je devrais partir, il te restera cette mélodie, 
te souviendras de nos caresses, oui tu te souviendras de nos ivresses. Si un jour je devrais partir, il te restera cette C'est pour toi que je l'ai fait. Line, écoute ma mélodie. C'est pour toi que je la chante. Écoute donc cette mélodie amoureuse que j'ai cherchée dans la forêt du rose. Laisse-moi de la chanter les soirs. Laisse-moi de la souffler à l'oreille. 